Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. We, uh, it's been several years since we've been uh, in uh, this building on Christmas Eve, right? I don't remember which year it was, but uh, it's good to be together, and it's good that we're here on Christmas Eve together. This is what it's all about, isn't it? I just want to start with this. Um, I wasn't sure that I was going to start with this, and I kind of put it as a note in my notes that I didn't know if I would even mention it. But who has noticed that secular Christianity is trying to remove Christ from, Christ, from Christmas? Right? Has anybody ever noticed that? Now, I was just thinking, it's ironic. When I was a kid, you started to see around town Xmas. Do you remember this? I don't see that anymore. Now that's gone. But you notice they, first, they started by they putting an X over Christ, and now it's just seasons, greetings, happy holidays, right? It used to be Xmas. You see the progression? The reason I thought that this was important is because I'm just going to talk, we're gonna, I'm going to read actually the birth story, and I want to just show us that there is some prophecies that were fulfilled. I like doing that. When I look at the story, I look at the crucifixion story, and I look at the birth story, it's such a picture of God's uh, uh, fulfillment of of promise and prophecy. Um, But this is uh, actually, um, even though we're here on Christmas and we're all happy and we love each other, I'm not going to make it solemn and heavy, but it is just a reminder that we are on a fast track. We are heading towards an end, right? They're removing Christ. He was tolerated for a time, but then we know the Antichrist, right, is going to come. That's, and so the fact that Christ, listen, do you know what Christ miss means, Christmas? It doesn't make sense without Christ. It was the word mass, right? We don't use that word here in, like, in the Protestant church, right? The Catholic church still uses that word, mass, which mass, it actually originally just meant to go. It was like a, you know, something to send you out with. And then mass became known as a celebration, a service, right? A time of reflection. We're going to separate. We're going to spend time with God. That was a mass, right? And it's still that's that word today. Christ mass meant a celebration of Christ. So when you take away Christ, what do you have? Just celebration. You just have celebration. And that's exactly what we have. But we're not celebrating anything, are we? It's just a celebration of nothing, of the season. Tis the season. Doesn't even make sense. What is tis the season? The season without Christ doesn't make sense. And um, I, I have seen some, I don't do any social media, but I do, you know, I do see some, some things, some memes out there, and, and uh, the world thinks that we're being overly dramatic, that they're not removing Christ from everything, but um, go around and try to find his name on any secular decorations, any stores, and it's gone. So this whole... Uh, uh, Christmas without Christ doesn't make sense, and it's, uh, this is not a new story, is it? We're going to see today that this was, Jesus was, it was an effort to remove him before he even grew up, isn't, wasn't there? So we're going to see this is not a new effort that Satan is trying to do just to remove Christ from everything and always has been. So I felt like I wanted to read the story. Is that okay with everyone here? Um, it's going to probably take 10 minutes or so to just read through it, but I, I felt like I wanted to read it, and many of us know the story. This is funny. You know, the Christmas story is one of those stories that you read only at Christmas. It's like one of those things that we go and we read, unless it's in our Bible plan, right? But I just, uh, maybe it's fresh in your mind. Maybe you've already read it, and maybe some of you are going to hear it 
uh, afresh and anew today. So I'm going to start with the book of Luke. I put it in chronological order. Um, so I'm going to be going between Luke and Matthew, but we're going to start in, start in Luke 1. In verse 26, and it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Your translation might say, nothing is impossible for God. And Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Picking up in Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And we're going to move back to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. 
That night there were shepherds staying in the fields, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with this child and his mother. And the angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph uh, in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that a new ruler of Judea uh, was Herod's son, Achilles, 
He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Just reading the story alone is so powerful, isn't it? Isn't it amazing just to hear the words? And I love that it was, I was able to um, just put it into a chronological story that we can just read seamlessly. Isn't it amazing? Um, now, if you're a mature believer, your ears probably perked up several times at some key things, just hearing it, don't they? If, um, if not, I'm going to show you some things today. I want to firstly say this. The Bible says here in Matthew 1, verse 22, all this took place, I'm, uh, in the Amplified Classic, all this took place that it might be fulfilled. I want you to say it out loud that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Now, if you noticed when we read this story, this was mentioned several times. I noticed a trend here. As it was said, as it was said, as it was said, God prophesied that this moment would happen 700 years in advance. And there were three separate prophets. Now, the, this is very interesting. If you love your Bible and you love how God connects every single thing together, right? The Bible says three witnesses is what you need for proof, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how everything is in the Bible and everything proves itself and everything's interconnected? Well, God had Isaiah, Micah, and Hosea each prophesy confirming separate people living separate lives within about the same hundred years of time. In that time of captivity, they each prophesied about Jesus. And firstly, let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. All right, then, the Lord uh, himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Isaiah prophesied this verse that was quoted, that we just read in the story, the New Testament story. He prophesied this 700 years in advance. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, or, or eternal, your translation might say, will come from you on my behalf, 700 years in advance. Hosea 11.1 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. God doesn't do anything by accident. God doesn't do anything by chance. I don't know that I have a giant sermon here. I feel like I have more pages than I do on a normal week, but I feel like it's a very simple thing that I want to say to you today. God loves you so much, and God cares for you so much, and ready for this, God, I want you to say it out loud with me, God has a plan. You know, this story is no different 
than any other story when I read the entire Bible. And yet, this is the Son of God. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. This is Jesus, who one day will come riding on a white horse, and every creature created, everything in the seen and the unseen, if they have said yes to Jesus, will join him for eternity, and if they have denied him, will go into the lake of fire forever. That's the powerful Jesus I'm talking about. And my Bible says that this kind of looking on the surface, random, weird set of events happened, and this baby in the middle of nowhere with nobody parents was born, and nobody came to visit except some shepherds and wise men. And yet this is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But you know, this is not so strange when I read the Bible, is it? Because you can start, as soon as Adam and Eve, as soon as they leave the promise, the garden, as soon as they do, this life is chaotic. And what I was so uh, reminded about as I read this story, and it's actually been a revelation the Lord's been giving me in this whole season, is that God works with normal circumstances. Now listen, He is miraculous. He is it's unbelievable how perfect your human body functions, right? It's amazing how it's designed to heal itself. Isn't that incredible? You know, you get a cut, you know, and at first it hurts. It's painful. Some days later you look and it's already scabbed over. Some days later it's gone. It's a scar or no scar at all. Isn't that incredible? You know, that's one little tiny piece of this entire universe hanging in nothing. Like what holds it all together? God is so incredible and so perfect and so meticulous. He's a mathematician, and yet he's the lover, he's the artist, he's the poet all at once. God is not happenstance. He is not just by accident. God is on purpose. And yet, on the natural, on the surface, it looks random. That's why they came up with this ridiculous theory of evolution. That's why they look at space and they go, well, there must be aliens. That's the new term. Evolution, if you've noticed, it's fading away. Aliens are going to be the new thing. I promise you, the more science, you think I'm crazy now, it's not so crazy. I said it eight years ago. I'm saying it again. It's not so crazy. That's where it'll go because what's happening is, is they're discovering we're way too advanced to have just happened. So now they got to create a new creator. You know, we just read in Isaiah. Isaiah said, are you... Out of your minds, I'm putting it in 2023 Adam language. But he said, are you out of your minds? You took a piece of wood. Part of it you used to start a fire so you could create, you know, uh, you, you warmed yourself and you created a little fire. And then you sat there and you carved and you melted metal and you created a little idol and you call that God. God's like, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? It's not so odd, is it? Look, this is our new God. The gods of technology, right? The gods of science, the gods of, of, of uh, social justice. And of course, don't take me wrong. You guys know me. You know that I care about social justice. But just this twist, just this whole twist of like everything has become so backwards, so opposite. And God is this obscure idea. And yet, that's exactly what I read when I hear this story. 
The reason I wanted to read it all through and not just pick out details and then preach from them, I just wanted you to hear the whole thing, because I wanted you to hear how, wait a second, an angel comes, let's just now break this story down. Are we okay to do this? Let's just break it down and hear it from the natural. A girl, probably a teenage girl, we don't, you know, we don't actually know how old she was, but everybody says she was a young girl, because that's about when they would be betrothed. To be married. You didn't really, you didn't get engaged at 30 back then. You know, teenage years, it's time to start pumping out babies. Get out of my house. We can't take care of, you know, take care of our kids for a certain amount of time. It's time for a man to come start taking care of you. So she's probably a teenager. And so you got this nobody teenager. She's just a nobody in, in the world of that time, especially this is Roman occupation. You know, this is, you know, literally just Israel is not a nation right now. You realize that. They, they're not. There's, a, there's people that are Jews. They're not a nation. The nation's been gone for hundreds of years. So when Jesus is even coming to the Jews, not coming to Israel, sometimes we forget that. It's literally in modern day, it's just like us Christians in the world. You know, this is not your land. You're not really here. You're Christians just like they were Jews, but we've been occupied, right, by a foreign entity, and so now you've got this teenage girl, an angel comes and tells her you're going to get pregnant from the Holy Spirit. A little crazy, huh? A little weird? I mean, for us, we're used to it. But just think about this from the natural. Now think about what the Romans might have thought if they found out about this story. Think about even just what the other Jews would have thought. Pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And now Joseph has a dream, and he's supposed to believe this dream Believe this angel in the dream enough to not stone her like he was supposed to. Jewish custom, you know, this woman, I'm not going to take, I don't want to take anything away from Mary who mothered Jesus, but she would, if a woman was pregnant outside of birth, she was a whore. I'm not taking that away from Mary. That's just what she was, and, and Jewish law was to stone her. Obviously, she was a whore in the natural, right, without Christ. I know it's hard for me to say that, but th that's what it was. That's what, obviously, how else do you get pregnant without being married to your husband? So now he believes the angel, marries her anyway, but they have to hide away, right? They go, I didn't, I just kind of annexed that part of the story just for time, right? But then she goes and lives with Elizabeth, her, her cousin, and hides away because this is very, young, this is very odd. She's pregnant. And she's not married. This is a death sentence. And now you think, okay, wow. All right, but now it's time. Jesus is about to be born. So everything's going to go really smooth from here. Now things are just going to get easy. It's going to become really obvious. You know, here's my husband. We've been married all along. And we're just going to have a baby here. And now there's what seems like very random a census. And this census makes them travel 70 miles to a town that has this beautiful hotel room. It's amazing. It's the Plaza Hotel. And it's just there and ready for Jesus because he's the son of God. You know, this is God we're talking about. This is going to be Jesus, the king of kings and lord of lords. I wanna, can I say that a couple of times in this service? The king of kings and lord of lords, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's lord. I mean, the, the king of kings riding on the white horse. That's who he's, he's not Jesus on the cross anymore. He's Jesus on the throne. That's all done. Praise God for that, that he did those things for us. But we're talking about Jesus' present tense. He's on the throne, and he's got a sword in his hand. He's got fire in his eyes. Praise the Lord. Isn't that exciting? I know it's Christmas. We're talking about his birth, but we got Jesus, the born king. 
He's born in our eyes, right? Not a little baby. He is born and he's been raised from the dead and he is seated on his throne. And that Jesus ends up with the animals in some straw in the back of a building. Are you sure, God, that you know what you're doing? This is your story. This is your miraculous story, the king. And then, to top it off, okay, now he's born, so now things, well, now it's going to get easy because now Jesus is born. It was a little tough. God's in heaven saying, I just didn't expect this. The senses had threw me off, and I just, you know, I was, everybody stumbled into this town all at once, and I just couldn't find your room, but please trust me, Mary, I'm with you. And then Joseph has a dream. You need to go to Egypt. You need to leave your homeland. You need to leave what it is still Israel. It was occupied by Rome, but it was still the land of Israel. You need to leave and you need to go to Egypt, which would have seemed so odd, just completely opposite. In fact, they're warned not to go to Egypt in multiple prophecies in the Old Testament. Egypt was not a, a good place. It was, not, it was a kind of a picture, even though God then was kind to them, if you know your Bible history, he was kind to them later. Uh, Egypt throughout history was a place that really symbolized um, the world, even maybe even the devil's kingdom, like Babylon. And now Jesus, the Son of God, is going to go be raised there for the next couple, or well, actually unknown amount of time. We know it was about two years or, or so, well, actually, we don't know the exact amount, but let's say, you know, sometime we just picture that. But who knows? Could have been 10, could have been 15 years. We don't exactly know. But regardless, even if we could figure it out, Joseph certainly didn't know. Just said, go there until I tell you to go, to come back. And then they come back, but okay, now, now you can just come back and everything's good. He's dead. But wait, he's got a son. Unlike the movie, his son was not kind. It's a cute little movie we watched, if you watched uh journey to Bethlehem, but his son was not a good son. Herod's son was just as evil as his father. So they avert him, and that's how he ends up in Nazareth. Now, when you hear the story in the natural, if I was just to tell you that story, would you say, wow, that sounds like a God story to me? It doesn't sound like a God story, does it? Now, if you know your Bible, right, right, Dan, right from Abraham, the nomad, who just trusted God's voice and wanders, Moses, and so on. It's exactly like what God has always done. And what I want to encourage you today is this. God is with us. That's Emmanuel. And your life, we think sometimes that if we come to Christ, everything is going to become easy. Sometimes people have even sold the gospel that everything in your life will be perfect. It's going to be a yellow brick road, right? You know, right into eternity. And I want us to be encouraged. Don't look at your natural circumstances today. I want you to hear this. God is doing behind the scenes more than you could possibly understand or imagine. In fact, as I meditate on this, if God himself were to come and sit in that chair right now, and you could just gather around on the floor like little children and just listen to him speak, your mind could not understand God's timeline and his plan for your life. Even if he explained it to you like a child, your human brain is not capable of understanding what God is doing. 
Now, from time to time, I like talking about time, and I was thinking about the randomness of these events. We've got a star. You know, stars don't just appear. Stars, have you ever, anybody ever, now with modern technology, right, we can run their loops in the computers. Who's ever done it? Who's ever maybe just seen a show where they show you, you know, the track, even at the Earth and the sun and the moon and then out. You know, the whole solar system does that. You know, we don't just have planets just sit doing nothing. They kind of appear like that to us, but actually everything is moving. It's like alive. It's a living system. For a star to appear, now God can be miraculous, but based on this story and based on my entire Bible, unless the star was an angel, which is possible, because stars and angels are synonymous, the name star, the word star and an angel, maybe it was an angel that led them. That is possible, but unlikely. I think it would have been more clear in that story. So unless God just decided, I'm going to break the normal course, that means that before time began, he already positioned Jesus to be in that place at that time. Isn't that incredible? That's just one thing. Now, he also knew before time began that Rome, that one day his sacred, his beloved, his loved Israel, who he pleads with all through the Old Testament to not walk away from him. And yet he knows, because he's God, outside of time, that no matter what he does, they're going to break his heart and they're going to need to go into captivity into Babylon. And after that, it will never be the same again even until today, you know, today we have the land of Israel. They've still rejected Jesus. We're praying for them. Amen. But that land was never the same. Even today, even though it's back and they call themselves Israel, they don't have Christ as their king yet. There are, one, there are people there that, that do, but one day we pray that they call that place Christ's kingdom again. But Israel was never the same, is my point. And God knew that before time and knew that Rome would not only occupy this place, but they would call a census at that exact... Mary and nine months of being birth had to line up with this guy over here who could care less about Jews because he's a Roman and he's conquering every nation and every god. They went from nation to nation and their gods meant nothing. Just rolled them over like a steamroller. And so this little nation of Israel, what does he care about them? And they actually... If you look at historical records, the Romans actually despise the Jews. He doesn't care about some, some uh, Jew, you know, uh, issue over here, and, and he's not even, that's not him who's concerned. The Romans weren't really, this, is, this was Herod's personal issue with this king, but Rome doesn't care, it has nothing to do with the Jews. It's just, I want to know who's in my kingdom. And he had to come up with this idea at the exact moment that Mary's nine months would line up to be in this place. Now, let's just step back. If God, 700 years in advance, prophesied these things, and then he brought them together at this exact moment, then that means, wait a second, God, I need to just close my eyes to circumstances. Because you know what our Bible says? Our Bible says, don't look at the things you can see. I'm paraphrasing here, but look what you can't see. How do I look with what I can't see? How do I look with eyes? That's why the Bible says we need eyes to see. You need ears to hear. I love the song, The Wise Men, which I would like to talk about for a moment. 
The song says, do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? A star, a star, right? Up here. The wise men saw what no one saw. They came and they said, I saw this star. And then they said, what star? Like, well, of course, what the prophecy said. Now, eyes to see means they, these guys actually saw something, but there was something greater. Do you know how you get eyes to see? They knew God's word. This is amazing. If you know God's word, then suddenly what seems random, you know, that star, I don't think it was hidden from the rest of the world. I just don't think they were looking for it. But the only reason they were looking for that star is because their mind was in the scriptures and they knew that to look for it. Isn't that amazing? And so I want to encourage you today that if you had eyes that are set on Christ, you're thinking, man, my life is a wreck. My life is everywhere. But meanwhile, if you can close those natural eyes and you set your eyes on Christ, set your eyes on eternity, that my Bible, Colossians 3 says in the NLT, to set your eyes, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That if you can put your eyes beyond uh, this place and these natural circumstances, you might not figure it out. In fact, I doubt God will show you anything. He'll show you that he's with you. But I doubt he'll lay his plan out for you step by step. Has anybody ever had that happen yet? He's probably going to show you a glimmer of things in the future. You know, some hope to look forward to and the first step. At least that's how I and most mature believers have lived our lives. You hope that the Lord's going to give you the 10-step plan. It just doesn't happen like that. But suddenly you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And what happens? Suddenly there's a census. And you're like, okay, this must be the devil. Man, the devil's trying to just get in my way. And then you're like, man, I just, if I could just find a place to lay my head, if I could just find a home, if I could just get settled, if I could just find somewhere that I could call home, if I could just get comfortable somewhere, like, man, it must be the devil. Meanwhile, this is God's story. Come on, let's not give the devil any credit today, especially on Christmas Eve. I don't want to give him credit any day, but this is Christ's day. And listen, the randomness, the craziness, the weirdness, God works in the normal. I want you to say it out loud because I feel like your spirit needs to hear it today. God works in the normal. What God is doing is your life to the average person, the same thing happened at the cross. I know this is not Easter. But the same exact thing happens. Remember, Jesus was born to die. That's why he was born. We love that we just celebrate this, the peace and the amazingness of Jesus there, you know, just as an innocent baby, but he was born for a purpose to die. And if I fast forward 33 years to the cross, I find the same exact story. I find Romans that could care less about the Jews. I find Jews that are so blind and so stuck in their pride and so stuck in their religion that they're still cursing him even when he's on the cross. And you know what I see just moments later by turning the page of my scriptures? I see a resurrection and I see the devil defeated. But just a moment ago, it looked like some random guy, a revolutionary just like Jesus Barabbas is on the cross and he got what's coming to him for making too much of a stink in our Roman kingdom. 
That's what it looked like in the natural. But your natural perception was false. And what was happening in the spirit was the devils were actually screaming in defeat. Isn't that amazing? And it's the same thing for our very lives today. The same thing goes for your life today. Don't think that if I get closer to Christ, things will get better, things will get easier. I'm not here to tell you things are going to get hard. This is not about your life being hard. I want you to know something. Your life may have seemed like one random event after another, right? One decision after another. It seems random. Sometimes it feels like you didn't even have a choice in your decisions. And sometimes you feel like, man, how the heck did I get here? Is that okay to say in church? Heck? <laughs> but how did I get here? And it's exactly what God... See, it's not that you haven't been making decisions. There's so many factors at play. It's, it's, it's unbelievable just to think. I can't... My mind just can't. I can't compute how God does what he does. And he lines up these moments in time for your life, these are meant to be, you are meant to be here. God picked the right Mary. He picked the right Joseph. He didn't just pick a random person. He picked the right people for the right place at the right time. But on the, in the natural, you would never, if you were to look at this story on the surface, you would never see that. Now, as believers, we're biased. We read this story because we know this is about our king, so we read it so filled with faith and life. But if you just read it on the surface, you'll never see God. You have to see it with eyes to see. And what happens is, is when you can train your eyes to see, I started to say last week that we are not just flesh and bones. We are spirit. Your flesh and bones are going to cease. That's the only thing guaranteed in life is that you will die. It's the only guarantee. There's literally no other guarantees. I'm not going to say the other part. Everybody knows the other half. The only thing you are guaranteed in life is that you are going to die. But our spirit is eternal. Our spirit is actually what's real. This thing is temporary. And I've, I've mentioned this to you before. Do you know that if we take this time on earth, let's say you live to 120, man, you eat a lot of uh, Chinese herbs, and you know, you just, you're like the epitome of health, and 120. Do you know if you take that time and you put it against eternity, mathematically it equals zero? Math says that's zero. You can't, it's just too big. Eternity is such, it's such, an, an, an unknown. It's just because it's so endless, it's not a grain of sand on the earth. It's actually microscopic. And that's giving too much credit to this time. Your spirit is the only thing that's real. All right? So mathematically, your time isn't even, doesn't, you never even existed. That's strange, isn't it? That means, listen, if we could just peer, peer behind the curtain of what God was doing as Mary was being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and Jesus was entering her womb and even going off to Elizabeth, it seems like, man, this is not fair. I'm off hiding over here. And then, then, we're over, and then her husband's wondering what's going on, this whole thing. 
and yet in the spirit, God is looking at it so perfect. I mentioned to you this once before, and I'll mention it again if you've never heard it. They took the coast, I believe it was the coast of England, because it's, it's uh, got that big, tall cliff, you know, along the edge there. I don't know if it's England, Wales, Ireland, but that region of Europe. They took the coast, they mapped it out with a computer, and then because of computers we can do this, they took these random ins and outs, right? It goes in, it goes out, it goes in and out, right? The cliff goes like this along the coast. They took this randomness, they put it into a computer, and they assigned musical notes to every movement, just like music goes up and down. And it produced, they could not believe what comes out. It produced the most beautiful music they'd ever heard. What looks so random, you're like, well, the ocean did that. We've got all these excuses. Oh, no, my friend did this to me. My so-and-so, this is not my fault. This was done to me. I didn't, I didn't even deserve to be in this position. This is, it's not right what happened to me. And yet, if you took your life and you put it on a map, it's actually in, in the spirit. It's just, it's, that's in the unseen. In the natural, I'm looking at a cliff. But in the spirit, I'm looking. And once I can peer into the unseen, I have this beauty behind the scenes. That's what Jesus is doing in your life. You just don't know it. I just wanted to mention, um, I think it's important, and I thought this was so powerful, that God gives you everything you need. This was last, last week's sermon. God doesn't just uh, say, okay, you're on the earth. Hopefully you figure it out. Hopefully you find your way to me. And if you do, I hope you make it. That's not God, is it? God's not in heaven just saying, well, we'll see about this one. I don't know. They are pretty stubborn. God's in heaven saying, we've got a stubborn one here. So we're going to have to get a little trickier with this one. But he's got a plan. I promise you. Come on, right, Andy? He's got a plan. Stubborn ones, he's got, he's got, he has to work extra hard, but he's working. He's working, though, on us, isn't he? He will make a way. He will find a way in your life. I'm telling you, if you don't know him yet, he's certainly introducing himself today. You know, Jesus is there, this little baby, in a manger. Joseph and Mary don't have anything, and they're about to go to Egypt. You know, when I read this story, we just read about, you know, the wise men coming like it's just some other event like it's secondary oh yeah the wise men came and they they bowed down before them genie would probably do a better job with this talking about frankincense and myrrh but you know god came and so many things were happening in the natural and in the spirit simultaneously and this is where i want you to see it's natural and spirit we actually get a glimpse into the story right here in the natural God actually gives them a break. They don't seem to have too many breaks, do they? But the gold would have provided for them for the, ex, the next un, unknown amount of time, especially being in, you know, you just go into some foreign land in some foreign country and just be like, oh, I'm just going to get a job. I don't know what it was like, but you need to take care of your family immediately. It's not like where we just like will snack on the way. Not quite like that back then. 
you needed money. God gave them gold. I'm going to talk the natural quickly, and then before I run out of time, just tell you the spiritual. The frankincense is an incense, but in fact, they would actually mix these together with the myrrh, create all kinds of, I mean, it's unbelievable. I barely even scratched the surface on this. In that cute movie we watched, they said, what's myrrh for? And they're like, for everything. Because it really is. Myrrh is another fragrant spice, um, but it would have been used even for, a even for teething. Who's ever put myrrh? Jeannie told us this a couple years ago, put myrrh on sore teeth. And it works. In fact, her dentist said, what are you doing to your teeth? Yeah, to your gums. Right. What are you doing? Because it, it looks healthy. I'm using myrrh. These are on the natural. But then why would they give these things? You know, God is not by accident. In the spirit, you know what was happening? See, there was a natural. Everybody say God works in the normal. But God's doing something in the spirit at all times. See, you think I'm just being nice to this person or I'm being rude to this person. You don't realize in the spirit, actually, you were either blessing or cursing. I'm not talking about words. I mean in the spirit. You are cursing or blessing. Now, this is a big deal. In the spirit, the gold was a sign of royalty, a sign of his kingship. You don't just give gold to anybody. But the, they called him to Herod, the king, right? The newborn king. It was a sign of kingship. On another level, which is amazing because it's just endless. I'm not going to keep going. I don't want to go on forever with just facts. But on another level, the most holy of holies... They collected gold and lined it with gold. Who's the temple? Jesus on the earth before he handed that job over to us, like we just preached for the last four weeks. He's the temple of God. He's the most holy. This is God with us. And they, Solomon collected gold. It was come. They presented it to him for him to build the temple. Jesus calls himself very clearly the temple. On a second thing, you know what frankincense was for? It was the incense. This was the incense that you would smell. And in fact, not only is it Jesus, I'm going to bring us into this point, that the incense is actually, because we know it from uh, Romans 12.2, right? Romans 12.2, Dan? Yeah. Sometimes I'm, my mind's moving too fast. We are the aroma before God. We are the incense before the Lord, your life. So when they were giving this incense to Jesus, they were saying within the Holy of your life, this Here's something in the natural, and, and that can be used in the natural, in the normal, just normal. But simultaneously, there's something happening in the spirit. And the whole spiritual world, both the angels and the devils, are seeing this happen. They don't quite know and quite understand. We know that because the Bible says the devil wouldn't have crucified him if he did. But they see something. They know something because we can hear it in the Gospels. We know who you are. We know you're Jesus. That's what the demons start saying later on. All right, so they know something's going on. Something is happening in the spirit. This frankincense being presented to this person because his life was about to be the incense before the Lord. And finally, myrrh was used for two things, specifically in this context, which is for burial. And that's because it was used as a main ingredient for the anointing oil. So here's Jesus presenting the temple of God. Here's a king who would be the fragrance, who would be the, the sacrifice. That's what the aroma is. It's to represent the sacrifice. And 
was to be, a, and they anointed, gave the anointing oil for his purpose here on the earth. You could get really deep, you could get really more into the, all these things, but I just wanted to encourage us today, your life is normal, and it feels like it's normal. And I want you to say something, ready? It's okay that my life seems really normal. I think we have this perception of this like supernatural life that's wrong. I think we think that we're just gonna fly everywhere. That, you know, like, we, once we get really close to God, we don't, just don't have to walk anymore. Doves, doves come and just bring us from place to place. I promise you, you're going to still drive or take a plane or get on a train or take a boat, even if Jesus himself was on the earth, because that's what he did. Only Jesus walks on the water. I have an account. He walked on there one time. For the rest of his time here, and Peter walked with him for a moment, but the rest of his time, he took boats. He rides a donkey. He walks on the dirt. His feet were tired, apparently, and they needed to be washed. They washed the disciples' feet. That was normal, because then he tells them, hey, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. He was obviously tired. Maybe he had some dry skin on his hair from being out in the desert. He needed his feet washed. He was a normal person, and yet he was, had the Holy Spirit inside of him. And I want you to see the devil's trying to trick you, make you feel like my life is not important. My life doesn't matter. And yet, Mary, this nobody, is carrying the Son of God within her, just like you. I want you to hear that again. Just like you. You have the same job Mary did, to carry the Son of God within you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? Blessed among women, well, you are blessed among men and women as well. I'm not taking this away from Mary, who carried Jesus, our, our Savior, but you are blessed as well to carry him. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I love you all. It is a blessing to be the pastor in this church and another year. We have one more service for before New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve next week, but in case I don't see you, I love you and Merry Christmas, and let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for cel the celebration of your birth. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and you gave us life. That, Lord, I thank you and praise you that you entered as a humble slave. Lord, that this normal existence, this humanity that's plagued with all kinds of issues, you weren't afraid to step into this place and to break us free from the bondage of Satan and sin. And I thank you, Jesus, that if we walk with you, we might still go through normal things on the surface, but we are in the Spirit. We are walking with you, Lord. Your word says that we join with you in that heavenly army. Your word says we join with you and we get a white horse to ride with you as your royal army. I thank you, Jesus, that you have chosen us, that you have not left us and forsaken us and abandoned us, but Lord, we are your children and we are blessed by you. I just pray a blessing on this church and even those listening to this podcast. Bless them, Lord, in this coming year. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.